Our scripture lesson today comes from 1 John chapter 1. Let's share in God's good word together. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. The family is the place we learn or don't learn how to grow up. The family is the place where we learn how to deal with failure, where we learn about being less than perfect in a less than perfect world. There is no ideal person and therefore no ideal or perfect family. And when a family pretends it is perfect or ideal, or when a family believes that it needs to be or must be perfect, or even that we need to look perfect, serious problems are just around the corner. It is time to get honest, to grow up, and to let the healing and joy begin. We are in our third week of our annual series, Relationship Boot Camp, and this week we are learning together how to grow up and achieve adulthood. And the first step is truth-telling. Jesus says the truth will set you free. The truth is that every family, every family system has elements of both good and bad in the home. And to deny or suppress this reality leaves us without a way to deal with reality. Every healthy family takes seriously the coexistence of both good and evil in the home. And you can too. Let's get started. As a way of introduction, this sermon series, in case we've forgotten, is for ordinary families, folks like you and me and every family listening to this sermon today, in everyday struggles that we all face. And friends, I know this sermon series can be kind of tough on folks like, oh, that's painful. Friends, it's okay. Yes, it is painful, but we are there with you. No one is judging you. No one is pointing at you. Uh, every preacher preaches to themselves first, me included. And so this is something we do together. So this sermon series is for you, it's for me, it's for all of us. And the first fundamental human need that we all have is forming deep and loving attachments. That's the first thing that we're concerned with with little babies and all the way through our life. It is not good for us to be alone, the Bible says. We need one another. It's better for us to be together and to have good bonding and good attachments. That's the first need. That was week one of the series. In week two... And, and this is kind of, you know, hard to deal with. Once we attach, we also have to learn how to separate. So the second fundamental human need is for separateness. It's really important that we know where we begin and where we end. What's ours, what's not ours. And the way we do that is by learning about boundaries. And so the needs are met when families model and teach healthy boundaries. We can attach and we can separate. We can grow our kids up and then they can move out of the house and have lives of their own. And then we can come visit, and they can come visit us. But there is healthy boundaries in our family system. So these needs, meaning attachment and separateness, they're met when we teach healthy boundaries. So what's a boundary? Well, a boundary distinguishes what is mine and what's not mine. And so um, one of my mentors talked about it like this. In baseball, you have the first baseline and the third baseline, and everything that happens between those lines is baseball. What happens outside those lines? I don't exactly know what to call that, but it's not baseball. And so whatever's happening in your boundary, that's yours to do. Whatever's happening out of bounds, that's probably not yours to do. 
unless the baseball is coming right at you or right at your neighbor, then, you know, be sure and protect yourself or your neighbor. So we take responsibility for our life, what is in our boundary, and we respond to others outside our boundary. So you can think of it like this. We're responsible for ourselves, for our life, for our responsibilities, attitudes, beliefs, finances, physical health, emotional health, spiritual well-being. All of that is ours to do. But then there's a boundary where we end and someone else begins. And if they're having a hard day, then we want to be able to respond. We want to be responsible, able to respond to them in their time of burden. If they're really having a hard time, the loving, kind thing to do in the same way that you would want is to be there for someone else in their desperate time of need. So the the Bible puts it this way. Uh, Paul's talking to the early church in Galatia. He says, bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ, the law of love, really being there for people in their desperate times of need. For all must carry their own loads, your own backpack, your own knapsack, your own everyday responsibilities. That's yours to do, mine to do. But then at times there are going to be people outside your boundary that are really hurting. And so they need your help. So you can think of it this way. Your boundary inside your boundary, what you're responsible for. Well, that's a backpack like my little buddy here, Noah, uh, when we were going to pre-K. That's his to do. And we were attached. But then when it time went to go to school, then you separate. That's what a healthy relationship relationship looks like. And then those burdens are like boulders. They're really big. And if you saw someone caught under a boulder, you should get lots of people around to help get that boulder off of them. That's good too. So you're responsible for yourself and to others. So how do we do this? How do we grow up in love? And what do we do if maybe we learned it wrong? So I want us to look at growing up and achieving adulthood. Uh, Again, Paul writes to the early church in Ephesus this time. He says the gifts that God gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints, that's you all, right? Saints and sinners for the work of ministry. Why? For the building up of the body of Christ. That's why we grow up to help one another until all of us come to the unity of faith, right? We're, We're not to be uniform. We are to be unified. So the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The more we know about Jesus, the more we have interactive relationship with Jesus, the better we're prepared in this life and the next for a wonderful, joyful, peaceful, heaven-filled life. And this is maturity, friends. Building up of the body of Christ, the unity of faith, the knowledge of Jesus, that's what maturity looks like to the measure of the full stature of Christ. So maturity, friends, then, is the ability to do what you said you would do when you said you would do it. It's to hold our tongue and really be thoughtful about what our commitments are, what we're really going to say yes to. And then when God leads us to say yes, and and we're really thoughtful about that, then we can actually show up and be available when we're supposed to for people in need. This is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And so we each and every week here at Acts 2, we have a worship service uh, available. We've done this for more than 20 years now. Each and every Sunday, we have a worship service, either online or in person, but it's there each and every week. And I pray that we'll continue to be mature and to be able to do that each and every week. That's what maturity looks like. And so the expectation is that we grow up in truth and in love. And so we're truth tellers and and we're saying, yes, this is the reality, but we love you right where you are. And we do this to look more and more like Jesus so that we're growing up in him. Again, in Ephesians, it says, we must no longer be children. No, 
Like, is there a time to be a child? Absolutely, that's good and appropriate for the time, but we're to grow on through that, not be tossed you know, to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, or get tricked by people, that happens when we're little, uh, by their craftiness and in deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, you and I, Christians everywhere, we are to grow up in every way into Jesus, who is the head, into Christ. We're to grow into Christ-likeness. And so growing up and achieving adulthood, friends, it takes time. All right, the Bible is very clear about this, that there are children, and then there are youth, and adolescents, and then adults, and then elders. We, we, it's a process. We grow through this together. It takes time and practice. And so if you came from a family where there wasn't strong attachment or there wasn't strong separateness, you may have never learned how to practice some of the things that you need to be a full, healthy, functioning adult where you really have the life of joy and peace um, that God desires for you. So, in Ecclesiastes, in the wisdom literature of the Bible, it says this, in Ecclesiastes 3, you've probably heard this, for everything there is, say it with me, a season. Yes, there's a season. We're not going to be in winter forever. Spring's coming. This is great news. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Yep, there's a time to be born, to be a child, an infant. There's a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, right, at harvest time. There's a time to weep with those who weep and a time to laugh with those who laugh and a time to mourn and a time to dance. God has made everything suitable for its time. Friends, this is a beautiful way the Lord has made the world. So we want to live our lives in the appropriate way for the time we're living in. And so what you do from zero to five I hope is very different than what you do from 50 to 55. Those are very different seasons. So here's the thing that we have to get right about all of this. And that is that real people living in the real world all have troublesome feelings. And we have to learn how to deal with them. Things like jealousy, envy of a sibling or a neighbor, pride that always comes before a fall, the Bible tells us, rage or uncontrolled anger, Lust, sadness, and fear, all of these come to every person on the planet. And you don't have to take my word for it. Um, Listen to psychologist Dr. Henry Cloud. He says it. He says, every person has all of these feelings at some time in his life. Every person and all of the feelings. Those are pretty big statements, friends. But if you followed Dr. Cloud's work over many, many years like I have, he's seen a lot in his practice. And it's true. All of us will have these feelings. Now, we might deny them or suppress them or reject them, but we all have them. And you're not really sure when you're going to have them. But if you don't deal with them, uh, they may come kick you in your head a little bit later. So it's better to have those up and out and deal with them and ask God for help with them. Because any bad thing, any bad thing that is denied will cause problems if not dealt with honestly. I think you know this. But bad things in our lives don't just correct themselves. It actually takes our time and our intention. It takes practice. So any bad thing that is denied will cause problems if not dealt with honestly. Any of those emotions. If, you're not, if you don't recognize your jealousy or your anger or your lust or your sadness or your fear, 
If you don't get that up and out and ask God for help, ask other people around you, safe, wonderful people in your community of faith or in your family system, then all kinds of things can go sideways on you. So how do we respond? Well, in grace. And grace is unmerited favor. Now this grace, this grace of God, it never condemns. It never condemns you. It says the truth about what's going on, but it doesn't condemn you. So grace never condemns. It calls out the bad and affirms the person in love. So is something bad? Sure. Are you bad? No. That doesn't make you a bad person. It, there's something that we need to learn from. So, so what does this sound like? It sounds like this. There's a problem. We first say, we love you. Yes, we do. We love you. That was bad. Don't do that. We are still with you. So that's what it sounds like. We love you. That was bad. Don't do that. We are still with you. Really important that we're able to do all of those things as a family and a family of faith for one another. We speak the truth in love, in community, in togetherness, and we're rooted and grounded in love in that way. So God established a path of growth for children to become adults as a part of that process. And so often I'll meet new Christians and they really get upset when they stumble or they fall or maybe someone in recovery. Um, they lapse in their recovery. And, and it's always such a dangerous time, such a hard time when people beat on themselves and, and start to spiral down. We want to come back and say, yes, of course that was wrong that, or that was bad or that might be hurtful to you or another. But don't let that throw you off. You can get back on. You can get back on the road. Just because we get in a ditch from time to time doesn't mean we can't ever drive again. might mean that we need to drive more carefully um, or when the weather's better, but we want to get back in our growth pattern. So, occasion, hear this, friends. Occasional spiritual failure is a sign of immaturity in process rather than badness. Now, if you spiritually fail all day, every day, yes, that's bad. But that's not how most of us live. Really, pretty much all of us, we fail from time to time. And that's just a sign that we still have some growing up to do. And that's okay. Um, in First John, it says it like this. My little children, my beloved, my friends, my, my little ones, my children. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Right? Not be separated from God. But if anyone does sin, which we all do, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus came that you might know you're not alone, that God is with us and he loves us. So we have an advocate in Jesus and he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, for our separateness, for our brokenness, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so when we fail and we fall and we will, know that Jesus is there to help us and to pick us up and to help us get back on the path that leads to life. So we need one another to grow and to heal. That's why the church, the church is God's body, Jesus' body in the world to bring health and wholeness and healing the way that leads to life. Jesus' little brother James says it like this, therefore, because this is all true, confess your sins to one another, right? Confess, and, and why do we do that? And we want to pray for another so that you may be healed. If you want healing in your life, if you want wholeness in your life, you need other believers to come alongside you where you tell the truth to them and they tell the truth to you and we pray for one another and we're there for one another and we stick with one another until the healing comes. That's what we do. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. But you know as well as I do, 
it can be hard to grow up. At any age, it can be hard to grow up. So I want to talk about real quickly about what almost adults look like. These might be people who would be of adult age, but there's been some brokenness where they haven't really quite figured it out or healed it up or had enough practice to get it, you know, in a, in a healthy way. So, almost adults have an extreme need for approval. Oftentimes, these are adults that when they were children or even youth, they didn't get any approval at all. And so they just seek it so desperately. Or maybe people even were beating them down. And so almost adults um, are unsettled and they're always looking for approval. And so oftentimes they'll feel like they're not good enough or smart enough or that if there's a group that maybe they're actually being talked about when they're not, um, you know, they're just, they're anxious because they need approval all the time. And that's okay. We can keep working on that to where you can be in a room with others and feel at peace. You can. And God can help you and your community of faith can help. Almost adults, well, they avoid risk-taking and we become stuck fearing failure. In childhood or maybe even in adulthood, if you haven't been surrounded by people um, that, that watched you fail and loved you anyway, this can really be debilitating. We're all going to fail sometimes. And what we need is a group of people around us that will help pick us up, dust us off, and get back on track. Um, but people who've never experienced that, it's hard uh, to know that that's a possibility. Another thing, almost adults have rules-dominated thinking rather than living by principles. God has a wonderful life for you. And here's the good news. Dallas Willard taught me this. You get to choose many of the things in your life. You really do. He, he describes God as a wonderful grandpa um, that basically says, look, you know, here's the backyard. Have fun. You can do badminton or, or darts or you can play football or soccer or you can paint or you can go swimming or you can do sidewalk chalk or you can play with puppies, um, you know, take a ride on a horse. There's a million things that you could do with your life and you get to choose. And God's OK with all those things because they're good and life giving. But if we're not careful if we haven't had loving, generous people around us, we can go, no, 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 wait, I don't want to mess this up. You're God and, you know, so, no, tell me exactly what it is. Should, should I play volleyball or should I play basketball? Or should I uh, paint something for you? What, what do you really want, God? And God's like, no, 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 have a good time. All of this is for your good pleasure. I love you. You're my children. And, and if we're not careful, we haven't ever experienced that before. We can get so locked up that in the midst of all this beauty and wonder and grace, we're still afraid and still separate. And so Jesus actually has a lot to say about this rules-dominated thinking. Um, there was a religious um, scholar, a Pharisee, that came to him and asked him a question. And, and the scripture says this. This Pharisee said, Teacher, meaning Jesus, which commandment? I mean, he knew them all. He knew all the commandments. He even knew uh, the, the writings about the commandments, right? The laws on the laws. And so he wants to know, no, no, Jesus, I want to get this right. And I want to make sure you know what's right. So he says, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to him, well, really, it's, it's quite simple. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And, and he would have known this. This is the first commandment. This is the greatest and first commandment, Jesus says. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then watch what he does. This is what Jesus does. 
on these two commandments, love God, love your neighbor, right? Love God, love others. All the law and the prophets, right? Everything hangs on loving God and loving others. Jesus took Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and he compiles it all down, all those rules, pages and pages and pages and pages of rules. And Jesus says, it's really not that complex. It's love God, love others, and enjoy your life. He took all those rules and he boiled it down to two principles. Love God, love your neighbor. And as just in the same way that some can be so locked up about the rules, others can be so locked about never following the rules, right? So almost adults can also rebel against authority, becoming just as controlled by parental figures as a compliant child. In the same way that one child might be so locked up about the rules, another child might be like, you can't make me follow any of the rules, even if they're good for me, even if they bring me life, even if it's smart. And so sometimes I meet even people of my own age that just because an authority figure says it, they're not going to do it, even if it hurts them and their family and those around them. Both uh, are out of whack. We need to know that God loves us and God wants us to love others. And that's enough. Together, that'll be enough. So what does healthy adulthood look like? Well, Dr. Henry Cloud again, he says, adulthood is the phase in life characterized by independence of choice and expression. Right? As an adult, you get to choose. What do you want to eat tonight? And how healthy is that choice? And you get to express yourself in good and loving ways. So a child asks, is there anything wrong with this? Basically, what can I get by with? And those kinds of questions, that always leads to, how did I get into this? Um, I'm stealing that from Andy Stanley. He's in a sermon series about asking good questions. Um, and he makes this point about this. And I think that's exactly right. It's, it's really just immaturity. And, and here's, here's what I want to do to help us lead into and lean into becoming adults and actually asking better questions. Andy Stanley says it like this. He says, a decision can be both not wrong and unwise at the same time. We've got to get past our childish thinking of thinking, well, well, that's bad and that's good. Well, that's bad and that's good. Well, that's bad and that's good. Or I'm all bad or I'm all good. None of that is fully true. A decision can be both not wrong and unwise at the same time. So if a child asks, what can I get by with or what's What's wrong with that or what's not wrong with that? What would an adult ask? Well, adults ask these kinds of questions. What is the wise thing for me to do? Not how fast can I go over the speed limit or what can I do in the market or what risk can I take? No, it's what is the wise thing for me to do? Looking at my past, knowing my current situation and knowing the future that I want and God wants for me, what would be the wise thing to do for me? In this situation, the wisdom literature of Proverbs says it like this. The wise, the clever, the smart, well, we see danger and hide. Like we're, we're asking questions. We're, we're looking it over. We're being discerning. And when we're wise, when we're clever, when we're smart, we see danger and hide. But the simple, the foolish, they just go on and suffer for it. They already know what they're going to do before they even know the question. They know what they're doing tomorrow, regardless of the weather. They know what they're doing. They don't consult with anybody. They're just going to go do what they do and nobody can stop them because it's their right. And God says, that's foolish. You might want to slow down a little bit, ask some questions, 
Talk to God, pray, talk to others, talk to wise people, and then take a next step. Adults ask this kind of a question. Am I being honest with myself? Because the truth about me is that the hardest person for me to manage is the guy in the mirror. And that's probably true for you too. Am I really being honest with myself? Are the decisions I'm making today wise? Are they going to get me to the life that I truly desire? Or are they just getting me by today? Again, Paul says to the early church, be careful then how you live. Not as unwise people, not as foolish people, but as wise. Making the most of the time. Making the most of the opportunity. You have won this one and only life. Make the most of it. Make choices. Ask questions. God, what do you want me to do? Is this in your will? Would this be wise? Knowing what I know about my past and my current situation and where I believe God's calling me in the future, is this wise? Making the most of the time. Because the days are evil. And this little word, evil, is just the opposite of live. So the culture, friends, it's not going to do stuff to give you life, right? When's the last time you watched a commercial that said, now you probably ought to take a few weeks to think about this because that's a really big decision. No, the world around you wants to take what you have and use it for themselves, by and large. And people of faith are to live differently than that. And one of the ways you can keep from that is by asking this question. Adults ask this question all the time. It's a good one. Am I paying attention to the tension in my gut? You know, when you're about to make a a decision and you just, you don't know why, but you just feel uneasy about it, that's important. Stop, pause, listen to God, listen to your friends, you know, talk to wise, um, you know, counsel. If If you're not settled, don't push it. Don't pretend that you're okay when you're not. And, and don't push through, just, just hold on a minute and wait and pray and think. Time is on your side with that. So friends, healthy adults, not children, but adults, we ask good questions. We answer honestly, and then we act accordingly. Will you say this with me? Healthy adults ask good questions, answer honestly, act accordingly. That's what adults do. That's what growing up looks like. So your action steps for this week, there are two of them. The first... And again, this is straight from Andy Stanley. So I'm owning that. I like to listen to lots of preachers. He's a good one. Um, And I thought this was so helpful in our own series. I wanted to share it with you. And he says, this is a great question, and I believe him. It's changing my life. I hope it changes yours. Is this the wise thing for me to do now? Given my past, all my past experiences, how old I am right now at 53 in my life situation, and where God's leading me, where I want to go, my dreams and my hopes, your hopes and your dreams. Given that, is this the wise thing for me to do now? And you may not be ready to act on that, and that's okay. But just for the next seven days, if you would just stop and ask, every time you have a decision, not is it right or wrong, is it legal or illegal, those are important questions, but the better question is, is it wise? Is it wise? And then secondly, with all that I am, I want to encourage you to allow for the practice and the process of failing forward in your life and family. Friends, this thing of following Jesus, it takes practice. It takes time. It takes falling down and getting back up. We're not going to do it perfectly, and that's okay. We want to be people of grace that allow for the practice. When you have a a little child and they're trying to learn how to read their Bible or learn how to forgive a friend or, or learn how to pray or learn how to be respectful, Um, to people that haven't been respectful to them, that takes practice. They're not going to get it right the first time. 
Certainly in my life, anything that I'm trying for the first time, it takes twice as long as I think it will, and it costs twice as much. That's my experience. Maybe that's your experience too. So be kind to yourself and be kind to others as we practice our faith together. No longer as children, but as people growing into the very likeness of our master, Jesus. It's in his name that we live and move and have our being and pray together the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.